Nice to see you. <laughs> Good to see you. And last time I saw you, you were at dancing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're not dancing now. We're sitting around my table. So hi, this is Robert, one half of the 12 Pound Podcast. Welcome to our latest 12 by 20 episode. As a quick reminder, our show discusses life's changes and how we hope to help you face them through shared stories and experiences. Uh, before we welcome our guest, I want to share that today's episode is brought to you by Nurse Hack for Health Pitchathon. Presented by Johnson & Johnson, Sanseal, the Society of Nurse Scientists, Innovators, Entrepreneurs, and Leaders, and Microsoft. The Nurse Hack for Health Pitchathon enables health systems to take direct action by empowering nurse-led interdisciplinary teams to create solutions and pitch ideas that directly address well-being workplace challenges, with the goal of receiving up to $250,000 in grant funding to bring ideas to life. You can learn more at www.nursehack4health.com. Dot org and that's a four the number four and I am very excited to introduce you to Tangare Hayward to our show I'm happy to be here yeah, thank you for being here uh, it's a little lower little smaller scale than when I last saw you which yes. was walking uh, along Penn's Landing <laughs> and by coincidence um, so I was walking home from a concert festival a few weeks ago when this crowd began building up on Penn's Landing. I mean, you, there were literally people flowing to what looked like like the entryway to a concert. And we were walking along the waterfront. It was a beautiful September night. And I heard this singer and I saw this crowd bouncing and I didn't know what was going on. So we stopped and needless to say, that performer was you. And you were wonderful. We were just rocked by how amazing you were. And your energy and your voice carried people walking by you know, your show into the, into the area. So we ended up staying and frankly enjoyed it more than the festival. So <laughs> oh, thank wow. you. Thank you for that. And thank you to the city of Philadelphia. I'm sure they put that on or someone else did as well. But, um, as much as I loved your voice, uh, it was what you said in between the songs that really, uh, stayed with me. I, I heard you say that you were a mother, uh, that you were teach medical assistants. So you work in the medical profession. Uh, you're still in the military. Yes. Is that right? Unbelievable. And you're pursuing your dreams to become a singer. So this podcast highlights the changes people have gone through in their lives. And it seems safe to say you've been through a few. So A little bit. <laughs> and so that's what I heard. And then I did something that my mom did a few weeks ago that I had never done, which is I DM'd somebody. I DM'd you. You're my first DM. Get out. I swear. No way. Yeah. <laughs> I slid into your DMs. You did. I did. I did, and I uh, and I was my I was I'm one for one, so I might give it another chance. But oh, I feel nice. like I scored big with you. So well, you know what? Because I get a lot of DMs. Oh, and you do. <laughs> sometimes it doesn't go too well. I can imagine. So and so so you have to add up the blocks, I guess. I, I stopped. Oh, you did. <laughs> I really did. I stopped. That must be a hard part of what you're going through. You're, you know, you've worked professionally for, you know, 20 plus years, you've been in the military and now you're in this very public forum where you're putting yourself out there. What, what was that like for you when you really started to build up into, into the singer? I'm known to be very vocal and, um, I had to learn that I can't say everything <laughs> that I want to say. Um, and especially um, with being in the military and, you know, people start going into elections and things and I have to, you know, kind of just be mindful of things. So I'm just like, you know, just watching and just try to be neutral with a lot of things. 
it's it's been crazy and I had to really learn like okay don't answer that don't respond to that don't say anything just keep going do you have anybody that helps you was there somebody that I bypassed that I should have reached out to well no no but originally I did have management and um there was some changes and don't have management anymore so it was more so like okay we've been friends for over 25 plus years so we'd rather keep that friendship and I mean the the fact was at the time I was more so um gigging to survive and not really focusing on recording and he really wanted me to record and at the time I just wasn't feeling led to record so he kind of was like well you know you can kind of do the gigs on you know yourself like you don't really need me and I was kind of like, well, yes, I do, um, because he was managing my social media and putting up all my flyers and things. And so once he left, like I had to learn how to do everything. So the videos and things that you see now is like all me. So kind of a bad thing. But then it was a good thing because then I learned how to take over my website. I've learned how to promote myself and learn more about social media and how to get on there. So it was a good thing. So it sounds like you created a lot of independence I by did. kind of making that decision. I did. That's good. That's tough. That's a big change for mm -hmm. anybody having to do that. It's hard to put up those boundaries, yeah. especially with friends. But because um, he used to tell me, like he used to laugh and just call me and say, you know, I got hit on today. Talking about me because he, you know, he was me. Yeah. And um, or I had to block somebody. So it's I don't know. I, I mean, I remember watching The Bodyguard with Whitney Houston and Kevin Costner. And I mean, I didn't have nobody talking about Tangeray, Tangeray. But um, some of the messages were just like, how can you approach people like that? Like, yeah. How could you just do that? It's just weird. Yeah. It's like all walls have come down. And I think a lot of times, um, especially for the men, they look at the pictures and they see the pictures. And um, I think they just assume like I'm the Afro all the time and <laughs> the makeup, you know. And so it's, then it's like they see me and they're like, oh, you know. So. Do you separate? Do you find that, you know, if you if you go back to how kind of things started from you from a performance perspective, have you separated your performing from you know your career has that been something that's been a challenge for you or were the two all always pretty separate because you're in very different fields I think about you know you're you're in the U.S. Navy still mm -hmm. um, and you're teaching medical assistants so you know you're a working professional but you're also a working professional singer how do those two worlds align um, well, it's easy, definitely easy to separate because in the medical field, you know, it's more so about taking precautions. You don't want to put yourself in a place where you can get sick. So I'm not wearing the big hair. I don't even wear makeup because a lot of times I'm putting my hands in my face. So. Your colleagues don't ask you to sing? Oh, I, sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes they don't I, even ask. I actually sing to my students. Oh, that's nice. To stay employed, you know, because a lot of times I want to say some other things and I can't. <laughs> So then I'll start singing and then they're like, oh, my God. And then once they've realized, like, oh, my God, we look you up and you're really out there. Like, they're then they're excited. Oh, you that's know? fun. Yeah, I should start doing that. Most of my students are falling asleep and I'm talking <laughs> with them about venture investing. So, yeah, I, it's, it's a good, it's, it would be a good way to go about it. Yeah, so they've been very supportive, um, whereas I've heard... Just folks telling me over the years, oh, well, you know, you're older, younger people are not going to really listen to your music. But I find that that's not true. A lot of the younger people, they love like the 80s and 90s sound and they just want to hear good music. They don't care who it's from. So um, I, I was excited to hear that, 
you know, and um, so the support that I've gotten from my students, which a majority of them are between um, 19 and 24, has been great. A lot of them follow me. Some of them have come to the shows and surprised me. So, mm-hmm. oh, that's great. Yeah. What was that transition like more on the performance side? I know you um, you had a background career, so kind of getting from the going from the background to the the foreground, the front of the stage was that a was that a big leap for you? I had one good opportunity. Um, Tell us about that. So um, I got a phone call from Bill Jolly. He is a legendary Philadelphia producer. He's um, He was the music director of like the Emmys and a lot of different things in the city. So he called me and said, like, Pink needed a background singers for this song. And I'm like, I'm in, you know, I didn't like, when is it? And then of course, you know, I was like, oh, okay, I got to work. I got to work. So I called my supervisor and I said, listen, Pink wants me to sing background. <laughs> and I'm going to have to call out. <laughs> That's a good excuse. You know, I can't lie. You know, I couldn't lie. And she said, you know, go ahead, you know, go. And so it was great. It was one of the best three hours, three, four hours of my life. It was, it was really fun. And to hear the song now, it's called I Am Here. And, um, hearing it and like target I'm like that's me that's me and people are like yeah lady yeah okay yeah you're on here (laughs) so it was about 30 of us um we made like a makeshift choir so it was like three parts and it was 10 10 of us each and then it was nice to see a lot of the local people because that's who he gathered up a lot of local singers and stuff so it was nice recorded Um, here in Philadelphia it was out um in the sub it was I think it was out in Delaware County like out in the woods somewhere like somewhere where I never would have thought Pink you would know, be recording. Right. Um, and she did come, and she took pictures with us. And um, so it was great. She was really cool. That's cool. That's a great opportunity. Mm-hmm. So you had the big opportunity, and then, but you've always been, I would assume you've always been singing. So have you, when did it really, I, should, I shouldn't say that, actually. Have you always been singing? I have been singing since I was five. Okay, so that's a long time. You know, and Whitney Houston was like, my biggest idol I wanted to be her and um as, and then of course I sang in church so that's where I got a lot of my training as I gotten older I'd gotten into sports and I was running track so then track was like my thing ended up being one of the top runners in the country I got a track scholarship to Louisiana State so I did join the gospel choir there because again I like music but you know, it wasn't really focused because, you know, the adults was like, you know, you need to focus on an education, you know, you're getting a track scholarship and, you know, all that good stuff. So um, ended up flunking out of Louisiana State my second year, came back home. And um, it was a little embarrassing because I was like the Philadelphia track star at that time and everybody knew who I was. And um, when I actually came back home, I did not go to the pen relays since then. So I haven't been to the pen relays since 1998. Oh, wow. Because of embarrassment. And um, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have moved on, but I was very embarrassed by that. Mm. Now, as far as my mom, like, you know, she graduated high school, so for me to do those two years she was just like on cloud nine like you know she didn't really care like her thing was you know whatever you want to do like even if you didn't want to go to college and you wanted to work or whatever like you know you you had to do something but it didn't matter so you know I had her support and um when I came home 
And I got my old job back at CVS Pharmacy um, on 40th and Walnut. So I was working there. And then I seen a billboard for medical assistant. And so I said, well, I'll try it. And then, of course, I was scared because I was like, oh, I flunked out of college. And how am I going to do here? It was a nine-month um, vocational school. And I ended up getting all A's. I found something that I really wanted to do. And so it was great to graduate with a 4.0 and started working at a doctor's office. And then I said, well, maybe I'll become a nurse. And then um, mom died. I'm sorry. And then um, got married, then got divorced. And then um, divorce is a big change. I, I feel like it was all, almost... I was almost grieving as heavily as I was grieving my mom, just grieving a divorce because it, it was just so different, you know, because when you get married, you, that's not the goal. It's not what you're thinking about. So that was a big change. So it was the first time I was living by myself. So actually the place where I'm at now is where, um, you know, I found that place and had to move forward with that. And so I got a job at Pennsylvania Hospital and um, quit the medical assistant job. And I said, well, I want to be a nurse. So I went and got some nurse aid training, and one of the doctors hooked me up and got me in. And then I started singing to the patients. Um, I was working in the um, intermediate critical care unit, so a lot of the patients were very sick. And um, some of them were on ventilators and couldn't really do much. So, you know, I would do their hair and sing to them and things. And so that was the big thing. And of course they love my name. They're like the girl with the gin name, the gin, the gin girl, you know, so <laughs> I could never do nothing wrong because they would always remember who I was. Yeah. Top shelf. Right. <laughs> and so, um, as I was working and I was working, um, overnight shift and then I wanted to do some other things. So I'm like, okay, I want to get another job. So I got the teaching job. So I never taught a day in my life. But when I originally went to college, I was going to school for elementary education. So it was just crazy how I kind of came back in full circle with that. So teaching young adults wasn't easy. I assumed that the young adults were like myself as a young adult. And then I realized that they were not. And so there were a lot of changes that I had to learn and deal with. So I was working two jobs, you know, barely sleeping, but just, you know, making my money traveling and doing things and paid off my car and then a friend of mine had a birthday party back in 2013 and he said Tang I'm having a live jam session with a band and I want you to come and sing so I said oh, okay cool so I did and I sang a song and um you ever seen the color purple oh yeah so um his name is Mr and so the lady Shook sang sister but I put Mr um, like the Juke Joint song. Mm -hmm. So I sang that, you know, with the live band. And, you know, then after that, everybody was like, well, who are you? And where, where the heck did you come from? And all. And so that's how I started getting gigs because then those musicians were like, hey, you know, I'm going to be here. I want you to come down, sing a song. Mm -hmm. And from there, I started meeting other people. And then I was like, oh, okay, I'm, 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 I'm loving this. You know, I get to sing a couple songs and yeah. people are clapping and I'm, I'm picking all these cover songs. And so I was at um, one event and there was a bass player. His name is Cedric Napoleon. And he's a part of the original members of Pieces of a Dream, which is like a jazz group and um, up in the 80s. And they did like really, really well. And they're still out touring. And so he started taking me around the city. And that's where um, I started performing at uh, Warm Daddy's. It was a restaurant um, down near the water. 
in a couple other places and um I was doing that a couple times and then finally the management said well you could do your own show I'm like what and I'm like no way and then finally um February of 2015 um I had my first show at Warm Daddy so I put the band together and it was pretty nice and all my friends came out and um, from there, it just started taking off. So I was like, okay, I, I'm liking this. So now I don't want to work this uh, overnight job anymore. I want to sing now. And the teaching job was part-time. So I said, well, you know, it's just me. So then I started paying all my bills off and started paying down debt and paying my car off. And, you know, setting myself up because I said, it's just going to be me. I'm just going to be like a musician and, and just, just, you know, just live. So I had quit the job at the hospital people thought I was crazy <laughs> and that was September 11 2014 um that November I opened up for a famous gospel artist Marvin Sapp and then I just started getting other events the following year 2015 in May I found out I was going to be a mom <laughs> <laughs> so then it was Screech. like <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, I just, you know, I left my benefits. I left a full time job. What am I going to do? And here I am at the time, 37. I'm like, you know, you know, it was just a lot to think about. And then also at that time, I was not with her father. Like I had, um, you know, uh, broke ties with him a couple weeks before um, dealing with him. So I'm thinking I'm just going on about my business. And then now I'm like, oh, my God, I'm about to have this baby. And I didn't want to call him. Yeah. You know, I was like, oh, I'm just going to raise this baby by myself. And then the other part of me is like, oh, no, don't you do that. You know, that's not right. So let him know that he was, you know, the baby was coming. And so he was like, well, you know, if you need help, you know, I'll help you. And so I'm like, oh, OK. So that made me feel a little better, you know, so at least I can continue on. So. I'm performing all the way up till the end, you know, and um, so that didn't happen. And um, so I ended up, two of my girlfriends came to the hospital, had the baby, ended up having an emergency C-section, and um, now she's seven, and it's it was tough raising her at home by myself. You know, I, yeah, I was, can only imagine. But after a while, we kind of figured out a routine and kept it moving. But um, I never went back to a full-time job. Um, a lot of people came through for me and helped me out a lot. Um, did you ask for that help, or did they come to you? How, how did it's, a it's, lot, it's hard for people to ask yeah, for help. Yeah, so people just came through. And even, like, my students, they threw, like, this really nice baby shower. And most of them, you know, they are on welfare, barely making it. But they, like, got their food stamps together, and they had, like, this nice spread. And they actually spent money and bought pampers and clothes. And it was – I had, like, stuff – like, enough stuff for about two years from them. And then you had the family – friends baby shower and it was interesting especially with all the people that I know and I was just like well I guess whoever was supposed to be there was supposed to be there but um a lot of people just helped in their own way um they still do and um being as though I had the two jobs you know Probably was a little bougie with things. Like, I never went into Walmart. I was a Target girl. <laughs> and so there was just certain things I'm so like, you started shopping. You no, started no, shopping no, no, uptown. no. And Walmart is like my best friend. Like, I didn't realize <laughs> that um, until later. But 
um, just even moms like, hey, I got some clothes. I took it because she was growing. And I realized, like, you know, you don't need to buy her anything extravagant. Like, she's two months. Like, you know, what does she need a Gucci baby outfit for? Yeah. You know? So I would take all those outfits and things, and then I would gift it to somebody else, you know? And so it was, you know, I learned a lot from just having to deal and not having a lot. Um, I could have, because there were people that said, like, well, you chose to not work anymore. You chose to do music. And I could have gone back to work, but I knew in my heart that I really had to do this music. And so um, I really wanted to do it. I did not want to go back to work. I knew that if I did, I was not going to be happy. That's such a big decision. I mean, I'm I'm really impressed that you did it. Most people, I think, struggle with those kind of decisions their whole careers mm -hmm. and to make that switch. So it sounds like you had the support of your friends and family and you've got your daughter. So now that you've you've made that decision, what's you know, what's your day look like now? It's still tough because, um, well, um, I'm still teaching. How many nights a week are you performing? Meetings. Um, at this point now, I'm very, very selective um, because, um, well, one, with the job, it does take up a lot of my time being a director. It's rewarding, but it's challenging. Um, and especially because, like, if you have staff quit, then I have to fill in. And then those nights, you know, I'm not with my child. And so it's tough. And then you're trying to build put the singing in and I'm you know and at some point I'm like okay now I'm getting back to where I was before like I'm trying to stay with the music but then also too even with the music when um I'm just not at a point anymore where I can get fifty dollars to sing three hours so I just can't you know mm -hmm. especially with a child like I have to pay for a sitter you know of course gas you know a lot of these places are not thinking about you know, the everything else is rising, but, you know, you still want to give me $50 and you know you'll get a good show, but $50. Like, so I'm just like, no, and I will sit at home. Um, and, you know, so I, I just, I can't do it anymore. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's good. I mean, I, I can, I'm just thinking of myself as an audience member. If I were hearing this, when you go to see someone like yourself, when I caught you that night on stage, you know, you don't think about, what it takes to get there, mm -hmm. you know, what goes on, you know, the three hours before and the three hours after getting home, thinking about your day job the next day. And I think, you know, a, a lot of artists, you know, whether it's a singer or a painter go through a lot of the same struggles, but it's, it tends to get glossed over. You know, it tends to be focused on what was done after the fact. They'll touch on it a little bit, but I, I think it's really brave of you to share what your day's like and what you're going through and what you've been through historically with those changes because it's it's tough, and that's what we found, at least. It, we haven't been around that long, but we've been around long enough to hear a lot of similar threads. Mm -hmm. You know, changing job, you know, losing a parent or having to take care of a parent, uh, an unexpected relationship, and I was the same, an unexpected daughter mm -hmm. so uh yeah i think it's you know i think it's it's wonderful that you've shared all that with us and so as you look ahead you know you're you're being more selective with your shows when is your next show so my next show is thursday november the third and i practically fell out the bed when 
I received the email um, about City Winery. Um, I have been there a couple times, but I have been there with friends. So I was singing with other people and, you know, we were there collectively as a group. And so, you know, it was fun. You know, the people are great there. And um, you just never know who's watching you. That's a great gig. And I always said, well, you know, City Winery is a bucket list. Maybe after my fifth album, you know, I'll be there. And I was like, you know, they have a couple different ones all over, you know, and they'll be pretty cool to go, you know, Philly, D.C., Boston, you know. And so just to be there and not only that, like, I think when I was thinking about City Winery, oh, I could be in their loft, a little smaller area, you know. Oh, no, no. I'm no, it's going a real to be deal. in the it's main happening. state. So, <laughs> you know, so I'm just like, what? And then, I, uh, well, I, I can't say any um, bad I, words. I on can here. always edit it out. So and I, I can read it. It's, when I got the, um, the email, I had posted um, on Instagram not long ago. It was one of those days I was like thinking about my mom and I was just a little down. And so I was trying to cheer myself up. And so... I'm laying with my daughter was asleep, so I'm laying with her and I'm taping us. But it was a guy, and he basically said, you know, bitch, you're thinking small. You got to think big. You got to think big, mm -hmm. right? And I don't know if he was like a – I don't think he was a homeless person, but, like, his voice was funny, but he was dead serious. Like, whoever he was talking to, you know, you got to think big. You got to think big. And so I played that, and – when I thought about it, I said, well, what do you mean the small room? Think big. Like, you've done small rooms. Mm -hmm. Like, this is your time. This is your moment. Like, you, you, this is it. Like, this is it. So I'm excited. My friends are excited. You know, um, I have a great show lined up. And I said, well, even if three people show up, we're going to have a good time. Yeah, we're excited for you. We'll definitely, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll be sure to put the information on our website, uh, www.12poundpodcast.com. We'll also point them to your social media pages so everybody can follow you uh, and keep track of, of all of the wonderful progress you're making in your career. Uh, you. We're so happy that you did this. And actually, our, our sponsors were very happy to uh, have the opportunity to be able to, to be on this episode with you as well. So. I want to share one more time that today's episode is brought to you by uh, the Nurse Hack for Health Pitchathon presented by Johnson & Johnson, Sanseal, the Society of Nurse Scientists, Innovators, Entrepreneurs and Leaders, and Microsoft. The Nurse Hack for Health Pitchathon enables health systems to take direct action by empowering nurse-led interdisciplinary teams to create solutions and pitch ideas that directly address well-being workplace challenges with the goal of receiving up to $250,000 in grant funding to bring those ideas to life. You can learn more at www.nursehackforhealth.org. That's a mouthful. It is. But we did it. We did it. <laughs> and you did it. And thank you so much for coming here. It's been a pleasure to speak with you. Thanks for joining our 12 by 20 series. Thank you for having me. We love it. And we're happy to uh, come see you at City Winery. All right. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> kind of love you only dream of everything i ever wanted your ecstasy for me that's all i want this kind of love